Uh, welcome back to another episode of the SEM podcast. Jack Bryce here again with Zach Hewlett. And tonight we're joined by Garrett Smith. How are you doing, Garrett? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? Doing good. We are excellent. Thank you. Good. Yeah, where are you calling from tonight? Uh, I live in Montgomery, Texas. So it's north of Houston, like 60 miles. Okay. Nice. So I moved cool. down here about a year ago, a little over a year ago. So. Right. Sweet. Yep. Well, start us off with how you ended up on a mission in Scotland, and then we'll skip over and talk about what you've been up to since getting home, and then we'll go back and reminisce for a little bit. All right. Sounds good. So pre-mission, uh, mission was really never something on my radar growing up. Uh, grew up a member of the church, went every week. Uh, but mission wasn't something I planned on doing. Uh, had some really good leaders, you know, young men's leaders and stuff. I, Elder Streeter, I don't know his first name. Spencer. But, uh, yeah, Spencer. His uncle was my young men's leader. Like, I grew up around him. I knew him my whole life. So, wow. Yeah, it's a crazy small world that you would end up there. And I remember talking to him briefly about it. He wasn't there as long very long while I was there. But uh, yeah, it just was never something I was planning on doing. I don't think my parents expected me. I kind of made it clear as I got older that really wasn't something I was interested in. So uh, after high school, I moved out and I started working doing uh, power line construction. Got a job working with my brother. He helped me do that and uh, was out there working, making good money and living away from home and just Life wasn't jiving the way it should have been. I started contemplating, like, what am I doing? Where am I headed? What do I want to do? It's like, I didn't know. I I think I did a semester of school at Idaho State that winter. And I think my GPA was, like, less than a 2.0. It was not good. I was like, I need to figure some stuff out. So I started really contemplating, like, what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career. I was 18. I was like, I'm not ready or mature enough to get married. I was like, maybe I ought to start going back to church and start figuring stuff out. So started doing that and started going to church and going back to church again. Started meeting with my bishop and working through things. And it took me, you know, from start to finish to the time I got my call, probably nine months to a year by the time I went through all repentance process and got my papers in. And and I actually didn't even tell my parents. I was putting in my papers. I was just kind of doing this behind my back. My whole big scheme was I was just going to show up with my mission call and be like, hey, this came in the mail. But I was at church uh, one day and uh, just someone in the ward came up to me and I told some friends, he's like, my parents were he's like, hey, I heard you're working on putting on putting in your mission papers. I was like, yeah, I am. And my mom and dad are sitting there and they're like, they had heard, but I hadn't told them. So they were playing coy with him. They're like, we had kind of heard, but he hadn't told us. And he, but the guy was like, oh, I'm real sorry. I was like, that's all right. And, and they already knew. I was like, yeah, I put in my paper. So uh, I remember I got a phone call. And I, I'm wanting to say it was July, June or July. I was working with my uncle, wiring houses in Twin Falls. And my parents called me like, hey, your call showed up. It was pretty early in the morning. Do you like, do you want us to come and meet you? And it's like, yeah. So they brought my call to Twin Falls and we went out to lunch. And all right, Garrett, take your time. Yeah, I'm softy. <laughs> so I get this call and it's like Scotland and for a mission. I remember I got my patriarchal blessing earlier that summer and uh, it said I would be called to a place where the harvest was ripe and I would uh, trust in my sickle with my, my might and realize a bountiful harvest of souls. And so pre getting that, I was like under the assumption, I was like, Oh, I'll be going to like Mexico or South America. I was like, I had a lot of friends that had gone spanish-speaking missions and i wanted to go i wanted to learn a new language and scotland came up and it was completely out of nowhere i didn't it wasn't even on my radar and i was just super excited to go and so um 
yeah, that's that was pre-mission leading up to mission. And then I think I left, I think I got my call in July or August. And then uh, I reported to the MTC in October, end of October, if I remember right. Right. So 2005? Yeah, 2005, correct. Yep. Yeah. And we'll jump over and post mission. Um, I got home in October. So I'd applied to school. I think I, I got accepted to BYU Idaho, but I got home in October. So I remember getting a job with a, just a, a guy in the in the community, uh, driving tractor for a little while, and uh, worked there till winter semester started. And I would go to school, and I would do a semester of school till I ran out of money. And then I would go and work for a summer or so and make enough money to go back to school. My major changed every semester. <laughs> I think I did one uh, one in wildlife and fisheries management. I wanted to be a game warden. Then I realized that I wasn't going to be a game warden. I did one in uh, electrical engineering because I'd been do- I'd been doing power line construction. I thought it'd be cool to know the electric the engineering side of it. Big pretty good gig. That lasted like two weeks and I dropped almost all my classes and I had a season pass up to Targi to go snowboarding. So that's what that semester consisted of. Uh, <laughs> I did a, I did a semester of uh, residential construction. I thought that would be a pretty good gig. And uh, uh, really the only thing it taught me is that college was not for me. <laughs> and so that last semester up at school, I ended up meeting my wife Um we met at a bonfire in Rexburg and, and I remember the story because my roommates, I was like, I don't even want to go. And my roommate, one of my roommate's friends came over and he said, but there's going to be freshmen at this party at this bonfire. I was like, all right, I'll go. And so I ended up meeting her there and typical, typical Mormon story. Like three months later, we were married and uh, we've been together now. Uh, it'll be 13 years in July. We've got two little girls, Scarlett and Sophie. They're three and four. Uh, just life happens, and things have been really good. I mean, family's amazing. The kids are busy. I'm sure you guys have had young kids or have young kids. It's just hectic all the time. I work. A, I ended up going through and doing an apprenticeship for power line construction. I'm a journeyman lineman. And uh, kind of traveled everywhere during doing work. I've worked in... I don't even know, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, California, Kansas, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Washington State. Um, we settled in Wyoming for about eight years. That was been our most stable place. And then, like I said, we moved down here about a year and a half ago and kind of just been down here. And I actually found out, uh, listening to the podcast, that John O'Brien lives about an hour south of me he lives right in houston i've touched base with him and work schedules haven't lined up quite yet uh i work 11 days on three days off and it's a kind of a swing shift it's crazy hours so but uh we'll be getting together with him hopefully sometime soon and reminiscing again i've seen him once or twice post mission so it'll be nice to see him again that's awesome love it yeah that's great all right Well, take us back. You start the MTC, Scotland, wherever you want, and we'll kind of walk through companions, areas, and any stories you want to talk about. All right, yeah. So MTC, uh, went to the Preston England MTC like everybody else did, well, most everybody else. Remember my parents taking me to the airport, and uh, we're sitting at security, and I've been through and everything. It's like, well started to think about it and started to get a little teary and scared. And I was like, I just got to say goodbye. So I remember uh, just giving my parents just like it happened quick within like three minutes of me getting through security. I had said my goodbyes and I had turned my back and walked off. And I remember, I remember my mom just kind of standing there with a look of shock on her face. Like she wasn't ready for me to go. I was like, if I don't go, it's going to be a disaster for me. So I just left. (laughs) So I left and I remember seeing, uh, I think Elder Calhoni was there and Elder King at the airport. And we just kind of sat and chatted and we got, and we got to Preston and uh, I was super overwhelmed and underprepared for, I mean, I went, 
most of my young adult life doing nothing to prepare for a mission. And I get there and there's these kids that have been, they've looked forward to this their whole life. And I am like, they're here. And I just felt like I was. Yeah, I just felt like I was at the bottom. And so I felt like I really, I really needed to work hard. And I remember Elder Peacock came to me when I was there. I had broke down in front of everybody, embarrassing. You know, you're a 20-year-old guy. And I went a little bit later, so I was a little bit older. And uh, just put his hand around my shoulder. It was what I needed. Like, he won't know what that did for me. But it meant... That meant a lot. And uh, in Wyoming, I actually was in a ward with his sister. And come to find out that his sister lived in the same ward. And actually, got to see him a couple times, too. Actually, I think just once. But um, mm. he was just super cool and really kind to me. And I always looked forward to seeing him in the mission. I never served with him or around him. I think I only saw him at his own conferences. Mm-hmm. But... That's kind of the most that I remember about the MTC is it was just a, it was an eye opener for me. And it, it really set the, the tone for the first few months of my mission. Like I really struggled. Uh, and my first companion was uh, Elder Ben Buckner. And it was his last week, his last transfer going home. And he was training me and we, we got sent to Dalkeith, which is just south of the mission home. And uh, he was a great dude. I think I... I, I read through my journal a little bit and I, I kind of stopped writing in that thing. Cause I, every time I'd write in, I'd find it felt like I was just complaining about people. It was more of a place for me to go to gripe. And, uh, you know, you figure I thought he was super trunky and didn't even want, but we worked so hard. Hmm. Like I would get letters and just start to cry. Like I would cut companion studies short so we could go knock doors. We'd skip lunches. We'd skip dinners just so we could get outdoors because that was the only time where I wasn't thinking about home. And he did that for me. I mean, I'm sure he was exhausted. You could see it in his face. He had worked hard his whole mission. And here I am full of energy, ready to go 110. And he was just dragging me along. And he was, dude, he was a stellar missionary. That guy was awesome. And I was with him for six weeks. And then I uh, stayed in Dalkeith. And I was with Elder uh, Jason Canucci uh, from Well. He was from Wells. And uh, he was complete opposite of me. I mean, I'm a, I grew up in a small farming community. My, my parents owned a mink ranch. Like, I was out shooting guns. And he was very, like, proper. Like, just... And he was a great missionary, and I don't, I don't remember not getting along with him. We were just completely different, and it was just I'd never been around. You know, I didn't. I grew up around country boys, and Jason was not a country boy at all. A great missionary, and we found out some things about the ward there that previous missionaries that kind of went knocking on doors and told them that members of the Lord had sent them there when they hadn't, or that's the story we got so that the members really didn't trust us. And we didn't find that out. And so it's like, I don't remember getting many dinner appointments with members or we just knocked doors. (laughs) That's all we did there. Uh, After Dow Keith, I got sent to work uh, to serve with uh, Elder Devin Fisher, M&M Fisher in Kirkcaldy. (laughs) and he was a breath of fresh air like we similar he was fun to be around uh the work was probably about the same a lot of knocking doors not many appointments um i remember elder pattenden and uh dan maddox i think was his name i think pattenden stewart trained him Mm-hmm. But I remember we got together with them on P days and we hung out with them a lot. And I have just a couple, we would play pint Jenga in our flat with Kool-Aid. Oh no. And we played one day and it was, I lost a lot and I drank a lot of Kool-Aid really quick. Like 
it was bad. Like I started having kidney pains and I started to lose control of my bladder as the mission progressed. Like it actually, I, I don't know if this is what caused, I, I take overactive bladder med- medicine now because I have an overactive bladder and I feel like it stemmed from pint, pint Jenga in Kirkati. Uh, uh, gosh. And it was just like, I remember going to, to doctors cause we'd just be standing at a bus stop and I'd be like, I can't hold this. I've got to go. And I would be peeing behind bus stops. I maybe even wet my pants once or twice because I couldn't get to a bathroom in time. And it was just like out of control. It was crazy. Oh, man. And I remember writing home to my parents about this. And then I just kind of stopped telling them about it. I was like, I'm going to doctors. And I remember them asking like, what, what is going on? Are you okay? And it's like, yeah, it's just ignore it. But yeah, I was fine. It was just crazy crazy stuff went on with them but we worked hard there like fisher was he was yeah that guy was just fun to be with he was he was a good guy he was really good patenton was fun maddox was good to be around i think i was there i have my my list out i think i was only in kirkati so i think i was there with fisher for three months I was in Dalkeith for three months and then Fisher for three months in Kirkcaldy. And then I went to uh, Inverness with Elder uh, Borgelthos, Mike Borgelthos. And he just left. I think John O'Brien had just left Mike and went to the mission home, if I remember right. And uh, he's super good, super good elder. We They had found some people up there, uh, a young man by the name of Michael. Coots that I think he was already, I'm pretty sure he was already scheduled for baptism when I got there. I was able to see the baptism, which for me, that six months was like the first time we'd ever had a solid person come to church, like any kind of progression, like the, the only remnant of a successful mission that I'd seen thus far. And it was pretty cool to see and kind of help get get that fire and be like, man, people people can teach and baptize in Scotland. It's not a myth. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I refer back to my my patriarchal blessing, I'm thinking, man, I don't know what's going on with this thing because uh, it is not it is not ready. <laughs> There's not much going on here, and so uh, I was there for six weeks, and I remember. Uh, uh, Elder DePole, Jonathan DePole came on the podcast and he talked about that day we spent in Inverness. And I remember that day. And that was something special. And you know, that was the Lord just reaching out to him. I just happened to be able to observe that and witness it. And it was cool. And he he's another missionary, but that guy, he'll have a special spot in my heart forever. And I actually, I got to see him once or twice too. Uh, I was working in San Antonio and I met up with him one night when he was stationed there and got to reminisce with him. Probably this has probably been 10 years ago or so, but yeah, it's just a great guy. Um, sister line and sister Signaler were up there with us and, uh, yeah. And sister, sister Signaler, she's since passed. I was able to see her and sister line, uh, after my mission as well. I was pretty pretty blessed as far as that go. I've been able to to be in touch and keep in touch with a lot of people uh, and see a few people, and they were one of them. But they would leave us keys to their apartment. We'd give, I think, we'd give them some money, and they would buy groceries and leave us food, and we would go there and eat. They were just amazing, <laughs> amazing sisters. I love them with all my heart. Uh, they were great. Yeah, <laughs> they were. They really were. Um, I was only in Inverness for six weeks and then I got shipped down to the mission home to serve with Elder O'Brien and, uh, Elder O'Brien and everyone is, they say great things about him. It's true. He is. And he is smart. He is very smart. And he had things figured out in the mission home where he could get his stuff done. He was over. I don't remember what he was over in the mission home. I cannot remember. I know I took care of like the mail, mission supplies, phones, and vehicles. And then he did maybe the flats and that kind of stuff. I I don't remember. Mm. And so he would, he would schedule his stuff and he could get it done a lot faster than I could get my stuff done. It's a little slower and he'd schedule our appointments. I can remember I'd get frustrated because I couldn't get all my stuff done, but we're we're going to teach. It's like, well, 
let's go get this done. And, and we were teaching a lot of people we were busy and, uh, the, we shared the mission home with obviously the, we had a senior couple that worked in the office under there, the president and the mission president and his wife lived there. And then the, the assistants were in the mission home as well. And we actually had adjoining rooms with the, with the assistants. And sometimes that was, that was just rowdy. Sometimes <laughs> it was, I've got pictures. I don't know if Elder O'Brien appreciates it, but we, it was, it was Elder DePold and I, and I think Elder Howe, and we pinned him down. And I don't know if you guys, when you sent your letters or you got your letters and sent them home, they had a big airmail stamp on them. Well, I had that, I had that stamp in the mission home and we stamped his legs. We, we stamped his forehead. (laughs) There was, there was, we had a lot of fun. I, I, we had a lot of fun there. And, uh, there was a lot of wrestling that went on. We actually, uh, we actually broke my bed at the mission home and it was right after president and sister brains had left and the Fredericks were there. And I, I remember going downstairs. I was like, uh, I, uh, I need a new bed. Sister Fredericks like, why do you need a new bed? I was like, wow. And I proceeded to tell her what had happened. And it was like, she, you could just see the look of disapproval on her face and how to, and I, don't, I think they let me sleep. I slept on the floor on a mattress for probably like three or four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> because just the frame had broke. Oh yeah. It shattered that frame. It was a wooden frame bed. Oh man. Oh, man. I think, I think elder O'Brien walked into the room and, uh, the pole came through and just like speared him onto the bed, picked his feet up off. And it just, it just <laughs> broke the bed. <laughs> and we just laughed. And then after it was kind of cracked, I finished it off. I just jumped on it a couple of times. I was like, well, this thing's toast. I just well get a couple cracks at it. <laughs> and then, but yeah, we, uh, the, likely, the likelihood Garrett is you were not the first person that jumped on that bed. <laughs> you were just oh, the last. No. <laughs> we were just the last. That is absolutely right. That is a hundred percent true. Yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Now, I have some great memories from the mission home from teaching. Uh, I have an experience where John, uh, John and I were out proselyting one day and we just gotten off a bus and I had a prompting to stop and go turn around and, speak to somebody and i think i don't remember who it was that anyways uh i got nervous i didn't follow that prompting and uh john was on the other side of the street he crossed the street came up and talked to those people that i was supposed to talk to and was able to get appointments with them and it's just that that taught me something as a missionary it's like i need to follow those promptings and that maybe in the future not there's not always going to be a john o'brien to to cover your back or to get your back on stuff like that. Um, I got to see a ton of missionaries coming in and out of the mission home. Edinburgh always had, I'm wanting to say it was like five or six sets of missionaries in Edinburgh. And so you got to associate with all those people. Uh, The sisters that were there, uh, sister Jagger and sister hog and sister Garnum. um, Elder McBride. Like just being able to be around those people was, it was great. You got to see them all the time. Um, I remember before President Brains left, I felt, and maybe he was, I felt like everybody loved President Brains. He was just such a great guy. But I remember I would go down to his office at like sometimes nine thirty or ten o'clock at night, and we would just sit there and chat, and it was special. Like just very tender moments where he would just he 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 genuinely cared about everybody and he always had time for everybody and uh i got to do i don't know how many times that happened it happened a lot i would end up down there in his office just sitting there chatting with him and i was fortunate enough for them they actually they were they came home they came to my report when i got home and then they were in the temple when i got sealed with me as well which was really special we were sealed in this in the salt lake temple and they live in salt lake and i mean salt lake it's a two hour two and a half hour drive from my house but yeah they were able to be there for my report and my ceiling i haven't been in touch with them as much i went and stayed with them probably two or three times and 
when I was living in Montana, his sister was actually in the lived in the ward that I was living in as well. So I I got to meet her as well, and I know his he's dealing with some ailments right now, and it just breaks your heart. But that guy was he was stellar. That guy, mm-hmm. yeah. He's the only reason probably I stayed on my mission. <laughs> help me keep, help keep me there. That and the disappointment I felt like I'd disappoint people if I showed up back home. It's like too prideful for that. So I'll just stick it out. But things got better and I started to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, then, am- uh, the amazing thing about this podcast too, Garrett, is we've learned how President Green's philosophy was to keep us there. You know, yes. Irregardless of all the stupid stuff that many of us did (laughs) he wanted us to be there and to see out the opportunity to be missionaries in the scotland edinburgh mission and that was a true testament to him yeah it was he was he was he was good yeah he was yeah um and then i was i got i was in the mission home for like four months and it was like i don't remember if it was it was right after President Greens had left home, but I got part of an emergency transfer out of the mission home. And I can't remember who it was, but a missionary, I'm wanting to say, broke his ankle or something. And so they brought him into the mission home, and I went out. And I, they sent me to, uh, looking here, I think it was Coat Bridge and Airdrie with uh, Dexter Snyder. I don't know if you guys knew Dexter or not. Mm -hmm. He's, he's a big kid. He was tall. He always had a smile on his face, just happy to be there. Happy to work. Uh, I I was only with him for one transfer and I, I was looking through my notes and, uh, yeah, well, it may have been, it wasn't even full transfer. It was just for a month that I served with him. But uh, yeah, he was. I really enjoyed my time serving with him. I, I don't. I don't think there was any. I don't think we didn't get along. He was. I remember he just always had a. He had a huge smile, and he was just people liked being around him. And he can, and when he taught, he was always so serious about his conviction with, with the gospel and his testimony. It was, it was just fun to be with him. And then, uh, from there, what's that? I said, agreed. That, that's total, total perfect description of Dexter. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And then, uh, from there I went to Iowa with, uh, Jonathan Shenton and I served with him for six weeks and he was, he was good. I really enjoyed my time serving with Elder Shenton. Uh, it was, you know, the American British clash type stuff. It was just fun banter back and forth all the time. But uh, I think we saw, I've gotten my notes. We saw a baptism there, a uh, lady by the name of Linda Queen. Um, I can remember, I've, I've got a picture somewhere of her and I and Jonathan on the day she got baptized. And I, I enjoyed my time serving with him. Uh, and I think I was in Aloha. I was looking, I didn't realize it, but I think I was in Aloha for like six months. Wow. And that was, uh, that was my longest serving area. And it's, I don't have a ton of, uh, it's been 15 years. So my memories of, of that, I feel like should be more in tune with what it was, but it's, it's not. I, after Shant and I was only with him for six weeks, uh, Demer and Ashton, I came and served with him. He came there and served with me for six weeks. And he was, he was, we were on like very similar backgrounds. I think he grew up on a farm as well. I got along really well with him. He was fun to be with. Um, I'm pretty sure he was trained by Elder Jansen. Oh, and I got him second and I really enjoyed my time with him. And then I got, uh, Tyler Webb and I, I, I think I trained Tyler in Alawa and we had a lot of fun. I think I really enjoyed my time with him. He was just so relaxed and chill. 
I think we came from similar backgrounds a little bit, but we clicked really well. And uh, he was just laid back. He just kind of went with the flow. We worked hard. We had a, we had a lady there. And, uh, and I didn't know this at the time as a missionary, but we, we had scheduled her for baptism and she was progressing through the lessons and doing really well. But, uh, I'm going to find out I, she was like a compulsive liar and we, uh, she had convinced one of the members of the ward to come and work for her and got him to like quit his job and there was no job for him to go to. Uh, it oh, got, man. it got, it was crazy. I remember talking to president about it and, uh, I think he knew what was going on before any of us did. It was president Frederick. And I remember sitting, uh, I want to say I was in the mission home. We were sitting in his office talking about it, or maybe it was just at a zone conference or something, but he's like telling him what's going on. I was like, I don't know what to do. I can't figure this out. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, I've heard missionaries have, how did he phrase it? To the effect that missionaries have better answers than mission presidents. It was like his way of telling me that I needed to figure it out. And uh, it bamboozled me for a while, but we finally caught wind of it that like everything she was telling us really wasn't true. And we ended up just having to drop her. And uh, I think I was a district leader there. And I had an experience there with, uh, I don't remember their name. They were a senior couple and they had, uh, it scheduled somebody for baptism. And I went down to do the baptismal interview. And as I'm sitting there in this interview, uh, asking the questions and I think there were what three, three questions that if they answered the wrong answer to that had to be interviewed by the mission president. And one of those questions came up and he's like, yeah, I've been involved in something like this. And I was like, completely taken off guard by, I was like, how did this? So I was like, I just, just stopped the interview right there. I'm sure it was nerve wracking for the guy. I don't remember his name. And, uh, I stepped out and I called president Frederick. I was like, Hey, this is what's going on. And, and president told me, he's like, I can't get down there. He's like, you're just going to have to do this interview. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I walked back in. And uh, as far as like a personal manifestation of the spirit in regards to somebody else, I've never experienced anything like that before. Where there was no doubt that that man had been forgiven of his sins. And it was a very special moment for me and for him, obviously. But I think I probably took more from it. Maybe not, though. You don't know. But it was just something that I'd never experienced before. As far as like, except for my own life, I'd experienced something similar when I was going through that repentance process where I felt that remission but I never vicariously felt that for somebody else, except for in that instant instance where I knew that I was an instrument. And uh, that gentleman, I'm assuming he was later baptized and don't know where he's at now or what's going on, but that was uh, probably one of the, the highlights as far as like being able to, to experience that. That's something I've always remembered. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, looking through my notes, I've got some, I feel bad not mentioning members as much in this. I don't remember a ton, but Owl, whether were, uh, did, did either of you ever serve in that area? No, no, there was, uh, the beverage family, the Frasers. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Alan Smith. That I was able to develop really good relationships with these people. And it was just always, it was hard to leave that area. And then uh, I know Glasgow gets a bad rap and everybody, but that was where I was sent to next. <laughs> I got sent to uh, Springboid and I was nervous because I just, previous to when I got there, that was when the two missionaries got jumped by the group of Neds and ended up in the hospital with staples and stitches. 
And I think that was Elder Black and Elder uh, Andrew Harrison, English Harrison. Mm -hmm. And so I got to Springboig, and uh, this this is the area that that my patriarchal blessing was talking about. <laughs> I uh, I was transferred into a gold mine. There were some people there that that they'd been teaching that, and I don't know the circumstances or what it was before. Um, I, I worked really, I feel like I worked really hard as a missionary just because I felt like it was a privilege that I was able to serve given my circumstances before and my lack of preparedness. And so when I got there, I remember, I don't know if it was the first day, but we went to see a, a part member family. And I remember walking out of there and telling Elder Harrison, I was like, they had a they had a kid, his name was Cal. I was like, he's gonna be baptized. And Elder like, Harrison just kind of looked at me and laughed. He's like, no, he's not. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know, they, they they were great, but we uh I served with him for six weeks, but the the people in that area, they were just ready. And I was able to go in there and and uh, give the commitments and help facilitate the spirit in a way that we're able to start to really see them progress. And we started to baptize people in that area and they were referring their friends. And so we'd go to a baptism and they'd have two or three friends there and they would bring their friends and their, their daughters were bringing their friends and then we'd go meet them and meet their parents. And we were able to, to talk to their parents and start teaching some of their parents and stuff. And it just exploded into an area where the work was i went from my daily planner the only real things i had planned in it were lunch and dinner and member appointments to where sometimes we had to skip lunch and dinner just so we could go teach and i remember i was talking to elder lucas about he says hi by the way i was messaging him earlier today i got a funny funny story to tell you about elder lucas when he came to visit me in america uh a few it's been a quite a few years ago don't let me forget okay. but um i was talking to him about this today but i was with i don't know who i was with but i'm pretty sure neither of us had driver's licenses but we were so busy we convinced i think i remember if it was the assistants or the zone leaders to give us a car or keep us with the car so we drove around for like six weeks with no licenses because we were so busy because <laughs> we couldn't keep up if i if i didn't have a car i was like i'm not going to be able to get all to all these appointments the area is too spread out and uh it was it was crazy i, I served with elder elder harrison there english harrison I trained Elder uh, Jordan Postak in that area. Yeah. And I remember uh, serving with him. He was just, he was, he was a great kid. He was, uh, I think he struggled a little bit with, well, he did struggle a little bit with confidence when he came out on his mission. He was a little bit timid and shy, but um, man, I would have loved to come in as a missionary into an area like that. Cause we went, he was able to get in and just start teaching all the time. And it was just like, you could just see the growth in him as well, being able to teach and go to appointments and stuff. And I, I think I only served with him for six weeks as well. And then I served with, uh, elder David Vance Harrison. And, uh, I got along really well with him too. And he'd come in and he, I remember we were talking one night. It must have been fairly close, maybe a week or so after he got there. But he was just like, he was able to catch the vision of of what a mission could be, in the under the right circumstances of being able to go. Because I think, uh, and not everybody was able to experience being able to teach a ton. It's just, just how the cards were. Some, you know, you guys know. I spent the first eighteen months of my mission hardly teaching at all. I just got lucky enough to fall into an area where people were ready it's nothing that i did they were just prepared and uh man i loved being there but things started to get a little bit weird and uh there's some stuff that started happening with some members and i <laughs> tell my wife told my wife about this but there was a couple uh there's a couple women in the ward that that started to I don't even, they started to get, wanted to be more social with me. And uh, 
I I remember one day and I was talking to Ola Lucas about this as well, and I don't remember who it was, but it, I don't know if it was zone leaders or the assistants showed up at the apartment and they're like, Elder Smith, we need to talk to you. It's like, oh man, what have I done now? It's like you're not surprised by it. It's like I I like to, you know, I have fun. But they're like, so there's been a situation. Somebody's went to the bishop of the ward and is accusing you of being involved in some relations with a female member of the ward. I'm just like, what? My gosh. And then they start telling me about it. I was like, no, there's no way. No way at all. I haven't done anything. Anyways, come to find out where she was a member of the ward. She had a daughter. We went over there probably once a week for dinner appointments, just teaching lessons. She's kind of active, kind of not, but her, ex-husband had went to the bishop of the springboard ward and told him that her and i were having relations oh man holy cow yeah and so that made it i don't know if it went to the mission president i'm assuming it trickled from the top back down and this has this started happening like this happened and then there was another lady uh it was callum's mom she was single as well she had three three kids and we we spent a lot of time over there i think we baptized oh look real quick yeah we we ended up baptizing all three of her kids and so they were aged i think calum was maybe 10 or 12 um lauren was no it wasn't lauren kenzie I can't remember. They were from like 10 and 12 up to 16. So we were there a lot. This all happened over. Anyways, she started to say stuff at appointments. Like she told us one day we we're getting ready to leave. She's like, Elder Smith, she's like, when when you get home from mission, she's like, I'm I'm coming to America. I'm gonna snog your face off. And I was like, <laughs> Thanks, like, thanks for waiting. Wait to tell me that. Tell her. Tell her I'm going to be in America. Yeah. <laughs> we just keep it at that. And I was like, I didn't even know what to say. So I think I just turned around and left. I don't even think we left with a prayer. I just left. I was like, I don't even know what to do here. And so, you know, I had spent four and a half months there, and with things going the way they were, with I, I developed uh, really personal relationships with these people because I genuinely care about them. And I loved them with all my heart. And uh, it was misconstrued through me somehow, unfortunately, that it was it was never intended to be more than that. And it never was anything more than that. But uh, the mission, the missionary, I think it was the assistants asked, like, it was my last six weeks I'd spent there. They're like, what do you, what do you want to do? They're like, if you want to stay here, you can stay here. I was like, man, there's so much stuff going on here. I need to leave. It's like, it's affecting the area. It's like missionary. The work is starting to slow down a little bit. Uh, I think I need to be changed out of there. And so I was transferred to uh, Knightswood with Elder Van Leuven. Yeah. And uh, he was, he was very, he was very how he was a little bit rowdy and uh just full throttle with everything <laughs> i remember when we were driving to an appointment one day and i wasn't paying attention i was looking in the i can't remember what i was doing looking over my white handbook for calendar appointments and stuff and and he just looks at me and he's like hey take your badge off and put it in your pocket i was like what is going on and we're driving and and then we pull over and this guy comes up to our window and just starts screaming at us. And I'm like, what is going on? And, and, and Elder Van Leeuwen's like, yeah, it was a learner in the car and he'd cut her off. <laughs> and it was like her dad or something that was with her and the instructor. And he came up <laughs> this guy thought he was going to punch us. I was like, oh my goodness. And so we're sitting there in this car hiding our badges so we can't see where members of the church. <laughs> we, we go... But uh, I was, I only served with him for two weeks. Um, and then they got a phone call and they put me in the Glasgow zone leader spot with Elder Lucas and uh, 
why did I just forget his name? Elvin Johnson. Oh, yeah. And then I finished out there, and it was, I read through my journal a little bit there. Um, and I know Christian's been referenced and calling po- people uncultured before, and I was guilty of being called that as well. He's like, what do you want to do today, Elder? I was like, I don't know. He's like, you want to go to the museum? I was like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know that I've ever been to a museum. I probably hadn't. It's like, not on my priority list. And he's like, he just looked at me. He's like, you uncultured swine. And I was like, like, yeah, that's fairly accurate. I am probably a little bit rough around the edges. So we went to museums and I remember playing a lot of tennis with him. We taught a lot. We were still seeing success. They had they'd ramped up and had a lot of investigators. I was talking to him about some of the stuff we did to some of the people that were investigating. We'd take some of their bad habits from them without them knowing and then go burn them <laughs> without them knowing. <laughs> Throw them in a shopping cart or a trolley and burn them. And I think he mentioned on there handing out law chastity pamphlets to people driving around at night. I'm pretty sure I was involved in some of that too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we, uh, we had, they had some awesome investigators there. Uh, Yvonne and Julian Brown. uh, There's a lady by the name of Weijia Ray that we were able to teach. And uh, it it was kind of weird, like halfway through that, so it was my last transfer and I was involved in like two transfers in that transfer. Cause then elder Johnson was called to, I don't remember if it was, he got called away to go be his own leader somewhere else. And then they sent elder money with us. Hmm. And I don't remember how long we had elder money, but I remember that we probably weren't as kind to him as we should have been. Um, elder money was, uh, I, it just depended on his mood on what he, if he wanted to be a missionary that day or not. And he, um, based his actions on people's reactions to decide which way he would go. He's a good guy. I mean, but it was my last like month. I was exhausted and tired. And I remember feeling at the end of my mission, like, as it started to get closer, I was just tired. And uh, I was, I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I love my mission, but I I was ready to go. And I remember uh, the last night when they get your whole group together. And I can't remember where we're at. We had to have been in Edinburgh somewhere. And uh, we were all there, and Elder Hardy was there in our group because Elder Hardy was in my group. I think it was Elder Hardy, Elder King, Elder Churchco, uh, Elder Peacock. But Elder Elder Hardy and I were sitting there talking, and we're just sitting about what we're going to do when we get home. And I remember him telling me because we – I think he came from a construction background as well, and I was a construction background. He's like, don't go back to doing – the power line construction stuff. It's, it is a rough, rough group of people. It's, it is what it is. The money's good. That's why, you know, you can provide a good living to your family doing that. And he's like, don't do it. You're going to get sucked back into your old ways. And here I am 15 years later. I'm not back in my old ways, but I'm still doing power line construction with a rougher group. And, but I remember just sitting there chatting with him and we're reminiscing and, and uh yeah it was it was nice to be able to sit there and then i remember coming home and getting to the airport and uh i can remember the the one thing i remember from getting there and i don't know if my my dad probably does or doesn't anyways but i remember looking over and seeing him like tear it up and crying and uh I've never really seen my dad cry much, much before. And this is just, you know, that makes it worth it. You're able to go and, and do hard things for, for two years. You had to figure it out for yourself. You couldn't run to mom and dad every time you had a problem because they're, 
thousands of miles away. You can't just call them up because it wasn't allowed as much as you wanted to. Uh, you really had to learn to develop a relationship with one, the people that you served with, which built a brotherhood and a sisterhood that you can't get anywhere else. I mean, this, you two are living proof of this, of what you've done. It's amazing that you have over a hundred episodes on this podcast. And I don't know, 50 or 60 missionaries that you've been able to, to reunite through this thing is nothing that's, that's miraculous to be able to have a common ground and to have that, that group of that core group. Uh, you had to develop a relationship with your savior. You had to get to know him and rely on him. And that made you into the people that made us into the people that we are today, good, bad, or indifferent. But those are things that, that you had to figure out and you couldn't do that. And to see just that he was proud of that because it was something that was unexpected. I know a lot of people when I went, I remember telling a friend, it was probably a month or so before I was leaving on my mission, a kid I'd hung out with all through high school. I was like, was there with one of my best friends. His name's Travis Noble. And uh, we're sitting there. He's like, dude, he's getting ready to go on a mission. He's like, he got his call. He's going to Scotland. And the kid just looked at me. He's like, no, you're not. It's like, I'm being serious. Dude. I'm, I'm going to be leaving in like two weeks. It's like, no, you're not. It's like, head up. No, you're not. And he left that at the movie theater. I don't think he believed that I was really leaving. <laughs> it's like <laughs> completely out in left field that, that I was going to be going. And it was, uh, you know, it was something that, that I needed that I had to do for me. And I, I don't regret any of it. It was an amazing experience. I was able to meet amazing people and teach some amazing people. And I would love to get back sometime. And I just got to make the time to do it. And I have, a, I have an inner struggle in my mind that if I go back to my mission, it's going to change how I left my mission. And I kind of like the way I left my mission, but at the same time, I would love to go back and just see some of those people and give them the biggest hugs and not feel like I can't give them a hug and just tell them how much I love them and I miss them and that they're amazing. And I, I think uh, I don't start saving up and just making the time to do it. I think it'd be awesome to go back and see them. Probably something I need to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little teary there. I don't like doing that, but I can't help it. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Uh, yeah. yeah, it shows your your investment and your your love for the experience, the people, like you said. So yeah, no, no worries. You told us to remind you of a story. Oh <laughs> yes, the <laughs> Christian. Yeah, I got one. For, I got one about McLeod too, Garrett McLeod. Oh that yes. <laughs> so we were uh, start with this one because it's mission related, and uh, I I remember I tried to meet up with him a couple times. I was working up pretty close to to where he lives, but we just could never connect the dots and get on the same schedule. I'd love to meet up with him though, but we were at our our flat, and Elder Jansen was over there, and Elder McLeod and I we were making we like snot loogies and he was chasing elder Jansen around the apartment because he he if he saw it he would almost bomb it and he would see it and he would come out of the bathroom and you could he'd just look at you and he'd start dry heaving and he'd turn and go into the bathroom and we, this went on for like five or ten minutes i think we ended up making him puke he was so disgusted with us <laughs> it was around around the same time when McLeod was saying he was so stressed out his eyebrows were falling out <laughs> and it was he had one eyeball that fell out so I put it I taped some hair to him gave it to him he didn't think it was as funny as we did but oh it was funny but yeah Christian came and visited me and stayed I think he stayed with us for two or three days over the 4th of July one year and we bought we had jet skis my sister and her husband they had a house on the river there in Burley and uh the jet skis have a beginner key and a 
a non-restricted key. And Christian's like, can I ride the jet ski? I was like, oh yeah, hop on this thing. I was like, I'll take you for a ride. I'll show you how it's up. Take him out, show him around on there. And when he's not looking, I slipped the beginner key on that jet ski for him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just go, just go to town and go, go play on that. And he comes back. He's like, elder he's like something's wrong with this jet ski he's like it won't go because it when i mean you give that that jet ski we had it's zero to 60 in like two or three seconds you're not holding on you fall off of it he can't get it going past 25 <laughs> he's sitting there trying to figure it out and finally i told him he's like you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we had a good time with him oh, i think i probably took him spotlighting and shooting some guns too i know other jokes here mentioned that that was something i used to do a lot of just redneck stuff <laughs> so, pretty backwoods Love it. but but yeah and then you two both live in colorado right yes so when you're up um, running line come and come and say hi we'd love to get together yeah well my wife her family she's from colorado springs oh nice so so she makes it back there two or three times a year. I'm usually every other year. But it just we're gonna I think we're gonna try to make it down sometime this year. Go spend a week or so down there. So if I definitely let you guys know if it comes, it'd be great to catch yeah. lunch or something. You can also you can come meet in my neighborhood because I'm an hour to the springs and an hour to Jack. So <laughs> perfect. That'd be awesome. Right, it'd be great to right catch in up. the middle. That's yeah. right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Garrett, do you have any specific memories that you'd like to share about your experiences? I mean, you had the uniqueness of being in the office as long as you did with President Sister Vereens or President Sister Frederick beyond what you've already shared. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you guys remember the Marshes, Elder and Sister Marsh. I do, yeah. So I got really close with Elder and Sister Marsh. There was a, it didn't start out this i mean they were just great people anyways they're like a mom and dad or grandma and grandpa um but we used to alternate sundays where we would go over to their apartment and cook for them and then we would go over to their apartment and they would cook for us and uh it, it all stemmed off of because i didn't want to go to a specific dinner appointment that happened every sunday for missionaries in the edinburgh ward because the cleanliness of the apartment and the quality of the food sometimes was very questionable to the point where I remember when we would get to that dinner appointment, as soon as they left the room, I remember scraping my food onto Elder O'Brien's plate and then holding my plate and giving it to them and saying I was finished so that they couldn't give me any more and he couldn't give it back. And uh, <laughs> oh, wow. so we, uh, we would go and cook dinner for them and the marshes were amazing uh elder marshes since since passed i think a year or two ago oh, i, I did, remember seeing some i didn't know that yeah heartbreaking uh they were amazing they were amazing office couple they were good i remember we would come downstairs uh sometimes after being rowdy because their office was right above ours and and they, they would just look at him like, what are you guys doing up there? It sounds like a herd of elephants running around in that apartment. And I just laugh and it's like, well, it's just, you got four 18, 19, you know, 19 and 20 year olds up there. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> the tame frat house upstairs. It was. <laughs> I remember that the neighbor the person that lived next to the mission home, I remember we used to open up the window sometimes at night. You could hear them playing music outside, like a guitar or something. It wasn't like a radio or anything. And we, I remember listening to that. Uh, and that, that was that the mission home was, I loved being in the mission home. Uh, I was there for a very short time with president and sister greens and then president and sister Frederick coming in to be able to see that transition and see like, I remember President Frederick calling missionaries on moves night and just joking with them, telling them, telling them their new companion was going to be a girl named Helga if they were a missionary that was going home. <laughs> and just how excited he was 
to be there and just to see, and it was a short time I was there, but just to see him fall into that role because there's really no overlap. It's like one day President and Sister Breen's were there and the next day they're gone and the Fredericks are there. I think it was only like one day overlap. There's not like a, a couple week grace period where they, or it's just like they cut the ties and they're gone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, the mission home was a lot of fun. It was great being there with the, the missionaries that I got to serve around there. Um, but yeah, that, that was good. Love but yeah, I feel, I feel very spoiled being able to spend that, that time in, in the mission home. Cause you get to see a, a side of the missionaries. You get to know the office couples very well. And mission president and his wife. And I think elder Oaks was there. He did a, he did a conference with us and I, we went to the conference and then he did another one just for the missionaries that were serving in Edinburgh. So it was a very personal little one-on-one thing with elder Oaks and the mission home. And there was only like 15 of us in there, which was amazing that not everybody get no, you know, it's just something that doesn't happen. No. And just very blessed in that aspect of things. It's hmm. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Great. Anybody else you want to shout out who maybe wasn't your companion that you served around? We just want to hear from on the podcast if we can track them down. I know their names have been said a lot, but Elder Pattenden and uh, Elder McBride, I know I didn't mention him in, uh, in my podcast. I served around him quite a bit in Edinburgh, though, and I love Elder McBride. Uh, I used to go and hang out with him after the mission a lot. I stayed at his house a few times. Uh, I would love to hear how, how he's doing. Um, I was, I actually got his phone number. I reached out to him a few weeks ago and, uh, do I need to get that to you? Send it. Send it. I will. He hasn't responded to my invitation to be connected on LinkedIn yet, Marcus. Come on. I will (laughs) pass on his phone number and I won't even feel bad about it. Yes, but he he had a very unique experience where he was there with Elder Wong in starting the Spanish or not the Spanish but the Chinese teaching. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but yeah, Elder Pattenden, Stuart Pattenden, I served around him a lot. I think I saw him after the mission as well. He came. We went and stayed at President and Sister Green's one night. Um, would love to see and hear how he's doing. I haven't I haven't talked to him forever. Um. Dan Maddox, I don't know. I served around him. I would love to hear his experience. I remember he was just such a, a happy missionary that I just a good guy. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I served with quite a few people that I haven't heard on the podcast. And there's Ben Buckner, Knucci, Fisher, uh, Borgelthos, O'Brien was on, Snyder, Shenton was on. I don't know if Ashton, I don't think Ashton's been on Demeron. No, but I we, get, we have been in touch with him. Oh, good. Tell him, tell him he needs to. Joseph Jansen would love to hear. He was funny. He's been, was, he's been mentioned a lot recently. I, I have yeah. no idea how to get in touch with him. You know, unless, I, unless on that mission list, his email is still active by some miracle. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I used to keep in touch with him on social media, but I don't know if he still has it. I can tell you I can tell you right now, real quick, Garrett, that we're talking to Ben Buckner next Sunday as we're sitting here. That's exciting. So that'll be good. I'm anxious to hear from him. We were like I said, we only served together for six weeks, but yeah. Uh, Yeah. Tyler Webb, he lives in Colorado too. Oh, does he? Um, mm -hmm. Or at least he did. But yeah, English English Elder Harrison, he served with Elder Black before, right before I got there. Mm-hmm. Elder Harrison would be another good one. Postag, Van Leuven. I was messaging with Justin Van Leuven today, and we'll we'll get him. He he keeps telling me he needs to get his his journals and things out so he can remember all of his stories. But uh, oh, I'm sure he has some I'm, good ones. I'm continuing to bug him. I promise. Good. And I don't, I had never kept in touch with Elder Postak. I don't, I, but it'd be good to just curious to see how these guys are all doing. What's like, what life's done for them, how it's treating them. Just catch up. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, it's great. Good list there. We appreciate you reaching out to the ones you have. Yeah, if you need me to. And uh, just, uh, I think I got your phone number. I will send you. Uh, I'll send you Marcus's number. That's right. We texted. I forgot about that. Yes, please do. Yeah, because I, I will. I will. I will. I will do my soft introduction via text. And if, he doesn't, an, do and if he doesn't answer, then I'm going to call him. Yeah, I would just start off with the call. Just do the element of surprise. Oh man, I it's, need to give him a call too. It, does he still have a an eight hundred one area code number? Does he still live in Utah? You know, I honestly don't know. I lost touch with him for far too long. Because even um, though I live in Colorado, I have I still have an eight hundred one area code on my phone, and so it's easy to sneak up on the Utah people because they're like. Who the crap is texting me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, mine's still Idaho. And I've okay. lived and I haven't lived in Idaho since I got home from my mission. So that's awesome. Um yeah, it is still an eight oh one number. Yes. So I would I would flash it on the screen, but we'll we'll respect some privacy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just get everybody on here, 15, 20 people reaching out to him. Feel oh the God. love. <laughs> he, he, he might love us and he might despise us for such such an action it's very possible it's a risk i'm willing to take <laughs> oh man i love it so well we appreciate it garrett we really thank you for your time this evening thanks for everything you've done as our brother in scotland we love you man oh yeah, yeah. thank you guys too this is pretty cool like i said it's awesome what you guys are doing i'll continue listening yeah, we love you, Garrett. Thanks, thanks again for like what you said at one point in the podcast was the brotherhood. I mean, we haven't talked in I don't know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's like riding a bike. It's just yes. right, right back with our brothers in Scotland, and it's a, exactly. a lot of fun. So, thank you for coming on and participating. Yes, thanks for the invite. <laughs> All right, Garrett. We'll say good night to you. Love you, brother. Yep, love you guys too. Have a good night. You too. Cheerio.